the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, a topic I don't think I can talk too much about, and that's school choice. Cora DeAngelis joins us next. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Well, welcome to Sideline Sanity. And if you haven't noticed, I'm a big school choice proponent. I've had on a few guests already in this short period of time that we've had the podcast going, Sideline Sanity. And I just think it's the sane thing to do. And in fact, I think it's a little bit insane to keep doing what we're doing and throwing money at public schools that don't work and pretend like the money into the system is supposed to funnel down to the kids and make it work. That hasn't been doing too well. So I'm really happy to have Corey DeAngelis on. He is a senior fellow at School Choice Now, an adjunct uh, scholar at the Cato Institute. His resume goes on. And Corey, thanks for being here. I've got to ask you, what drew you into this sort of activism that you're doing? Yeah, so I actually grew up in San Antonio, Texas, where I attended government-run schools all through K-12. through But in high school, I had the opportunity to go to something called a magnet school, which is still run by the district. But it's a school of choice in that you're not residentially assigned to magnet schools, and they can have admissions processes. So they don't have as much monopoly power, and they have an incentive to cater to the needs of their customers. And I felt like that was a positive impact on my life trajectory. And I think more families should have access to educational opportunities, but it shouldn't be limited to a school that is run by the government. You should be able yeah. to take your children's education dollars to another public school if you want, but also a charter school or a private school or uh, a home-based learning option as well. I, I, but my, my kind of main um, thrust into the national scene was uh, during my PhD in education policy at the University of Arkansas. My first study looked at the effects of the Milwaukee private school choice program on crime later on in life. And I used student level data finding that exposure to the program, getting the chance to go to a better school through their voucher program, was associated with large reductions in criminal activity by the time the students became about 25 to 30 years of age. So that my, I, I kind of got into this with, with research mostly, and I, I particularly looked at non-test score outcomes, things like improvements in safety, improvements in satisfaction, reduction in crime, reduction in uh, paternity disputes, and, uh, and improvements in mental health. And so I, I, I started to uncover a lot of benefits of these programs that aren't only measured by standardized test scores. 
There are a few terms that I, I, I've noticed that interest me here. First of all, you often refer to public schools as government-run schools. And, and that's what they are, right? I, I, people don't say it enough, but that is really clearly what they are. It's government-funded, whether it's local, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a government-run school. And the problem with that is then that the state can control what's taught, Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, we shouldn't call them public schools. They're not open to the public. Families have actually gone to jail for lying about their address to get into better quote unquote public schools. They've gone schools. to jail? Jail? Yeah, look at look in look it up. Go, just Google Ohio mom jail uh residence schools. Uh you'll okay. you'll find it and families have also gotten fined for lying about their address. So they're not open to the public like a public park per se. They're okay. not public goods by the pure economic definition. They're not accountable to the public in any meaningful way. They are run by the government. They are funded by the government, or at least the taxpayer. They are assigned by the government. They're compelled by the government through compulsory education laws. They are government schools, and some people get upset about that. But my question to them is, why does the truth hurt so much? Why, yeah. why does the fact that these institutions are run by the government upset you? Well, it's because everybody understands that the government isn't really good at anything. And it, <laughs> it does a disastrous job at running the schools And we have about over 50 million kids in government-run schools today where they're being indoctrinated in a certain way. And um, that rightfully upsets parents, but the the best solution is to allow these families to choose something else instead of forcing them into those institutions. Well, it's it's true. It is kind of compelled. You know, you're supposed to, you know, you get a welfare check if your kid isn't in school and you're supposed to go to these schools assigned to these neighborhoods and so on and so forth. And we talk about academic disparities between neighborhoods. You mentioned the term because there are a lot of alternatives. Magnet school is what you ended up attending. What is a magnet school versus, you know, charter and all the other things we hear about? Yeah, they're pretty similar, but magnet schools are still run by the district or run by the government. So I would still define a magnet school as a government-run school uh, because it is, uh, just based on the definition. A charter school can be run by a private entity. It's still funded by public sources. So some every state that I've seen, including Minnesota, they, they define charter schools as public schools, but they are kind of these quasi- government quasi-private entities. So uh, it's kind of like a halfway point between public and private school where it's run privately, but it's also pretty heavily regulated by the government still. Uh, The government controls uh, who enters the market with the charter school sector. It's funded by taxpayer dollars. They, They can't charge tuition. Then you have private schools, which can charge tuition. They have more autonomy. Um, and then, uh, the, the purest form of school choice, I would say, however, is something called an education savings account, which Arizona just passed, uh, the, yeah. which is the gold standard of school choice policy. Every single family in Arizona will be able to take their kids' state-funded education dollars, which happens to be about $7,000 in Arizona, goes to an education savings account. If you like your public school, you can keep your public school or your government school, <laughs> it, but for real. But if not, about half of that money that would have followed you to the government school goes to an education savings account. You could use it for a private school for tuition and fees. You could use it for private tutoring, textbooks, curriculum, uh, micro schools, home-based education expenses. The money follows the student in the purest way possible, and families can customize their children's education. All right. I want to dig more into that. You mentioned Minnesota. I happen to live in Minnesota. There are school uh, choice 
issues all over the country. This topic is blowing up because of what so many parents were exposed to and saw sort of behind the curtain at their children's schools when they were going via Zoom during the pandemic, lockdowns, et cetera. So people are seeing this and not everyone's happy about it, as you said. Some people are really happy with the status quo. But when we come back from a quick break, I want to talk to you more about what's gone on in Arizona. It, you're not the only person who has said this is the gold standard. This is what needs to happen. So let's delve into that and some of the pushback when we come back. So there's no chance I'm getting the recommended six cups of fruits and veggies every day. There's no chance. But the thing is, if you do get that, you get all those nutrients and those vitamins, you should A, live longer, B, have less heart disease, and C, have less cancer. There's research that says that according to the CDC. So why would I not do this? Well, now I've found an easy way to do it, and it's called Field of Greens. And it's the easiest, tastiest little addition to my diet that I have found maybe ever. A little scoop of Field of Greens. It's just powdered up fruits and vegetables, freeze-dried. Mix it into your favorite juice, anything. You could probably just sprinkle it into a yogurt. And it's tasty, and it gives you all of those nutrients that you need. And it's not just any fruits and vegetables. It's the right fruits and vegetables. You can't just expect to have the right combination delivered to you. Oh, but yes, you can with Field of Greens. So get the field of greens. I'm telling you, my skin feels better. I I feel better. And I'm going to help you get started. 15% off your first order when you use my code TAFOYA, T-A-F-O-Y-A, 15% off. And then if you subscribe for recurring orders, it's another 10% off. You're welcome. Field of Greens, use the promo code TAFOYA. Go to fieldofgreens.com, promo code Tafoya, T-A-F-O-Y-A. You'll be so glad you did this. Corey DeAngelis, our guest. And Corey, uh, we were talking about Arizona. And I have a friend down there who insists that this passage of this money following the kid, rather than just going into the institution's was jammed through that it was roundly criticized by the public multiple times and that they finally had to just jam it through legislatively somehow. What's the real, what is your perspective? I shouldn't say the real, but what is, what happened down there in Arizona? Look, Arizona already had education savings accounts for a long time, but they were only available to about 20% of the population and families were using it in the public schools improved over time because of competition. Uh, so the doomsday scenario that you hear from the other side hasn't played out already. We shouldn't expect it to, to, uh, to happen going forward either. And of course, um, the way that laws pass are through the legislative process. So of course, the the House and Senate passed a bill to expand educational freedom, and then the governor signed it. That's how uh, uh, legislation happens. Um, that's <laughs> so so great news for Arizona. But look, this is the biggest school choice victory in U.S. history because every single family will be able to take their kids' education dollars to the education provider of their choosing. Not so it's regardless of income, regardless of background. This is available to every single family. And parents want it so bad, they're actually crashing the government Department of Education website. And it was only open for like two days before a, a big error message uh, started to pop up on the Department of Education website where it says, uh, 
you know, you, you might have to try again later because we're being overwhelmed with yeah. requests. Families want this. They want choices in their kids' education. And the latest uh, morning consult polling that I found in Arizona found that 75% of school parents support the concept of education savings accounts, allowing the money to follow the child. So this is a popular idea. School choice has overwhelming support across party lines. And uh, the, ev- the, the evidence is, is revealed when parents uh, that, that people want this when, when parents flock to these options when they're available. What do you think are the biggest reasons that parents want school choice? Because, you know, I could see it being very easy for people to just say, ah, there's a neighborhood, you know, elementary school three blocks away. My kids can walk when it's warm enough and uh, it's it's fine. It's they're going through they're learning. So so but you're you're talking about three fourths of families want this what do they want so badly what and 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 how how will they use if they do keep their kid in public school what happens to this money does it just go to that public school yeah the government schools in arizona spend about fourteen thousand dollars per student uh per year so if you like your public school again you can keep that the full fourteen thousand dollars of your esa essentially goes towards the government-run school system and look just because you want a choice doesn't mean that you necessarily need to exercise that choice but it does give families leverage and an incentive for the public school to listen to them when they show up at the school board meetings. If you have an exit option, well, maybe those school board members will actually listen to you instead of label you as domestic terrorists. And um, so just because 75% of parents want the option doesn't mean that they're all going to exercise that option uh, right away. And look, the best argument for this is that we should fund students, not institutions. We should fund students, not systems, just like we do with everything else. With, With higher education, we have Pell Grants, You can use your Pell Grant at a public or community college if you want, but you could also take the Pell Grant funding to a private, religious, or non-religious university. The funding follows the decision of the student for higher education. For pre-K, we have the Head Start or other pre-K programs where you don't have to take that money to a residentially assigned government-run provider of pre-K. The families can pick their pre-K providers. The same thing with food stamps. Just imagine if we force low-income families to take their food stamp dollars to a residentially assigned government-run provider of groceries. That would be absolutely ridiculous. Uh, It doesn't work that way with any other industry or just about any other taxpayer-funded initiative. It's ludicrous that with K-12 education, we haven't done it the way that Arizona is going to do it going forward. We should fund the people, not the buildings. And families are figuring that out, especially after the past couple of years where the, the the, the school system shut itself down to hold children's education hostage for multiple multi-billion dollar ransom payments from the government. And then families got to see what the heck was going on in the classroom. And so families who thought that their kids were in great public schools because of the ratings by the state or because of the standardized test scores started to see that there's something else, uh, else going on, that the school wasn't aligned with their values. Families want education, not indoctrination. So they're pushing back. Families have woken up and they're never going back to sleep. You know, it's interesting when you bring up the word indoctrination, some people bristle at that word. They think that, what are you telling me that my kids are being brainwashed in school? It's a, it's, it's one of those words that's kind of right. It kind of lights a fire, Uh, but it's hard to disagree with. Give me your description. How would you illustrate the indoctrination that's taking place in most government run schools? Well, they're focusing on political issues in the classroom as opposed to just the basics, math, reading, and writing. And I actually think with school choice, 
as it has improved test scores in, in other places, it can also improve the likelihood that schools focus on the basics as opposed to political topics such as critical race theory or the gender ideology uh, that's, that's happening in some classrooms because it's in, it's in a school's best interest not to upset its customers, whether that means going too far left or too far right. So if the government-run schools had an incentive to cater to the needs of their customers, they would have a strong incentive not to focus on divisive topics and instead just focus on education. Because if they were to go too far left or too far right or introduce politics into the classroom, then they're going to upset someone just because the reality is families disagree about how they want their kids raised and families have different value sets. And that's okay. The problem is with the current system, it's a one size fits all disaster where it's by definition going to fail for some segment of the population. So if they're focusing on divisive topics, they're they're almost guaranteed to lose some customer base if there is school choice. But if they focus on the basics, they won't have to worry about that as much as, as long as they're doing a good job with those basics. There, there are a couple things that come to mind right there as you speak about that. I've been reading a lot, watching a lot of film. I, I, I feel like I'm back working my football job, only I'm focused on other things. And one of the things that I've seen in my own kids' school and have talked to the appropriate administrative people about is this critical race theory, this gender ideology. I'm, I'm unclear on why K through 12 would find this important enough to devote the amount of time they're devoting to it. And the other part about it that, uh, that I get worried about constantly is this notion that some schools have determined math is racist or that kids of color should not be expected to achieve the same as, as white children. I, I find that sickening, that, 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 mm-hmm. that, that idea that a teacher or a principal or anyone involved in the education system would underestimate a human being by his or her immutable characteristics. What do you see happening there? And, and am I overblowing mm-hmm. the picture? No, I think you're about right. I think it was either Oregon or Washington. They actually yeah. just passed this you know, social justice, racial equity um, uh, require. Or they, they loosened the requirements on graduation so you don't have to actually uh, read or write or do math in order to graduate from high school in the name of social justice. But that's the complete opposite of, of equity or, or at least social justice because this, um, this isn't helping the students who graduate not, not understanding those. This is only going to hurt them later on in life. And I will say there are two uh, approaches that those on the right have taken to remedy the problem of politically divisive topics in the classroom, such as critical race theory, is they'll they'll either go from the top down or the bottom up. And you have some states that are implementing the CRT bans, for example. But, like Florida. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of states are doing that, Tennessee, Idaho, uh, Iowa. But the thing is, we have videos surfacing now where the administrators and teachers are admitting on camera with these investigative undercover journalists that they're still doing it and just calling it something else. So they're still implementing this... Uh, teaching math through a CRT lens, even if it isn't explicitly in the curriculum, they're still doing it in the classroom or they're just implementing in the curriculum and calling it social emotional learning or just mental health. 
So the top-down bans don't work. I think the better solution is from the bottom up, allowing families to choose institutions for education that best align with their family's values. Uh, that way you'd have a, uh, an incentive to not focus on politically divisive concepts in the public schools. And at the same time, families wouldn't have to prove that the schools are uh, uh, teaching nonsense. Instead, they could just don't have to explain themselves and just take their just kids' leave. education dollars yeah. somewhere else. And yeah. that way, you'd, you'd, I think this is the only way forward through freedom as opposed to force. And it's actually more likely to achieve the stated goal of having schools that focus more on the basics. I agree with that. I, I tend to agree with that. It's 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 a matter of, hey, okay, I'm just going to, thank you. Thank you for your what you're offering my kid. I'm going to take him somewhere else. It, it speaks much more loudly than someone coming and saying, you can't teach this because the natural re- inclination there is to respond, you know, with strength back and say, the hell we can't teach this. We're going to double down on it. So I, I like what you're saying. When we come back from this last break, I want to talk to you about what what the average parent can do. I mean, those in Arizona have gotten their option. There are a lot of states that are still trying to get this to happen and what from the grassroots people can do. More with Corey DeAngelis right after this. At the risk of sounding like a broken record, let's go over a few things. Since November of last year, the stock market has taken a nosedive. But here's the thing. Gold has been on the rise So while your gas prices are ridiculous and the stock market's all over the place and inflation is, what, eight and a half, nine percent, and there's a war going on, the markets don't like all that instability. But the good news is you have options. Gold prices are rising as investors turn to gold for protection because gold provides a hedge against inflation and protects against a weakening dollar. Legacy precious metals is the only company I trust when it comes to investing in gold and silver. You need an investment that's going to protect your wealth and your retirement. And you can have all your questions answered with one phone call. Call them today. You want to be proactive while there's still time. I remember 2008, and I bet you do too. Those who invested in gold saw huge gains while others lost their retirements. Legacy Precious Metals can advise you on all of your options for investing in gold and silver. So just do yourself a favor and call them today. You can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals. Here's the number, 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. All right, Corey, so parents who are living in states that don't yet have these education savings accounts or this kind of new freedom that they have in Arizona, what should they be doing? What can they be doing? This time with your kid goes by so fast that you want to try to move the process along so it actually impacts their education while they're still under your roof. Yeah, so whenever a bill is introduced in your state, you need to rally around that bill, go to the Capitol and testify, or even just email your legislators to let them know that you support the uh, proposal to fund students as opposed to systems. Uh, a lot of states have already been introducing these bills. Not all of them have passed them, obviously. But uh, the more that there's bottom-up pressure coming from the grassroots, coming from families, either whether that's through social media, via emails, or showing up and testifying at the Capitol in support of these bills, 
those those actions can go a long way. But if it doesn't, and the politicians still don't listen to you, you have to show up not just at the school board meetings, but take it a step further and go to the ballot box and fire any politician who wants to come out against parental rights and education. This should become, and it is emerging already, coming out against parental rights is emerging as a form of political suicide. Just look at how how that worked out for Terry McAuliffe in Virginia, who said that, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. What an idiotic statement to make. Glenn Youngkin leaned into parental rights and won on the issue of education in a state that went 10 points to Biden just the year before. And uh, look what happened to the National School Board Association. They, they tried to label parents as domestic terrorists after colluding with the Biden administration. That didn't work out for them. 26 states left in the past six months because of that, uh, uh, them overplaying their hand or at least uh, letting the mask slip and showing parents that they hate them. So parents can band together and push back, but you have to do it that way. You have to get together and and, pow- and there's power in numbers when it comes to politics. You can't just go out on your own. You got to find groups of people to push back together to really become a new special interest group in K-12 education to change the power dynamic and win and get politicians to listen to you. And I, I'm constantly tweeting about these groups uh, sending links out about these groups. So follow me at Michelle Tafoya or at Sideline Sanity on Twitter because I am sending these out. So people start, they're popping up all over the place, Corey. It's really kind of amazing. And, but the, the, the other issue is that there are people on the other side who are so quick. I tweeted out about one yesterday and I got pushback that was racially motivated, suggesting that this idea was somehow racist. And to me, again, it's anything but. It's just like every kid, every kid, every kid should have access to a great education, not just well, some. The, Go the government-run school system that's residentially assigned is the purest form of systemic racism if there ever was one in the United States today. Based on the left's own definition, there are disproportionate outcomes by race in the government school system, and we can even trace it historically the segregated government-run schools are remnants of redlining from the 1930s in the United States. Those The lines that were drawn a long time ago closely mirror the lines of the school districts today. And so you have all these problems in the current system. What's truly racist is forcing low-income families to send their kids to failing government schools yeah. and, and trapping them by zip code. It's more equitable or it provides more equality of opportunity to allow every single family, like you said, to take their kids' education dollars to the education providers of their choosing. The most advantaged in society already have school choice in one way or the other. Allowing the funding to follow the child allows for more families to have opportunities. That's an equalizer And so everybody should be for this. It shouldn't be a partisan issue. The problem is the teachers unions disproportionately donate to the Democrats as opposed to the Republicans. The Randy Weingarten's union just this year in 2022 so far has donated 99.997% of campaign contributions to Democrats as opposed to Republicans. That's the American I'm I'm surprised it's not just 100%. I'm really surprised it's not just 100%. It's a a rounding, it's a measurement error or something. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, (laughs) probably probably is. A couple quick questions for you to to finish up. Could this country survive if we got rid of the Department of Education? 
Oh, yeah. It should have never been born in 1979. Is not, uh, the word education is not in the Constitution. Outcomes haven't gotten any better. Spending has gone up. Teachers aren't paid any better than they were. I mean, just think about ni- since 1970, we've increased per people education expenditures by 152% after in real terms after adjusting for inflation in the U.S. But teacher salaries have only gone up by about 8%. Yeah. So the money isn't making its way into the classroom because it's a huge government uh, monopoly that has no incentive to spend that money wisely. So school choice would actually help teachers and parents at the same time because competition in the market for goods and services is good for customers and families, but competition in the labor market is also good for teachers. And there's yeah. been five studies on the topic, all finding that school choice leads to higher teacher salaries in the public schools too. It's a win-win situation. There's no reason to be against this. Yes, competition breeds success. Uh, a, a rising tide lifts all boats, all of that stuff, all the cliches. You can throw them at this situation as well. And then the you mentioned Randy Weingarten. I, I bristle because I, I'm sure she's a fine human being, but her ideas about what school should be, her ability to... I guess, sway people in a way that I, I just don't understand. I mean, I listen to her and I just scratch my head. And, and the way that the National Education Association influenced all the COVID lockdowns and so forth, and they keep saying, yes, we want kids back in school, but it's got to be safe, you know, <laughs> as though, as though, and, and this masking of toddlers, it's just, I, I want to tear my hair out when I talk about these issues. What, what, why does this National Education Association exist and, and what keeps it alive? We need to get rid of the federal charter for the National Education Association. I have no idea why the NEA has a federal charter. I mean, it, it happened a long time ago. There was a bill introduced this year to get to get rid of it. There's no reason that there should be a federal charter for the NEA. But look, um, Randy Weingarten has been horrible. She's at the AFT for so long and she keeps overplaying their hand. It's like nonstop gaslighting from the teachers unions after they held children's education hostage to secure all of this funding from taxpayers. Yeah. It, was, it was a form of extortion, essentially. Yeah. But you know what? We should give her an award for being the best inadvertent advocate of school choice and homeschooling over the past couple of years than we could have ever imagined. We should thank Randy Weingarten for her service, for overplaying her hand and and awakening a sleeping giant, which happens to be these parents who want more of a say in their kids' education. Parents have woken up and they felt powerless in 2020, but they're going to make sure that they fight to make sure they never feel powerless like that ever again. And we can all thank Randy Weingarten. And the the best part about it is it's going to resolve this, these problems and, 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 uh, issues that the, the, the teachers unions have, have pushed for over the past couple of years is going to lead us to free families from the, their depraved clutches once and for all. Well, I couldn't really say it any better than that. Corey DeAngelis, you can find him on Twitter at DeAngelis Corey. Just put in the name Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, DeAngelis, and you'll find him. And uh, it's great to talk with you. I hope we do it again. And I hope the next time that we talk, it's because another state has passed a law that allows parents to to have the money follow the student. It, it's It's a no-brainer in my mind. But then again, some people think I'm nuts. Corey, thank you so much. Thank you. This has been Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya at Michelle Tafoya on Twitter or at Sideline Sanity. Be brave, do good, 
and work on school choice for your kids and your grandkids. Well, we always appreciate it when Charles Thorngren can join the join the podcast and talk a little money and gold in particular with us, gold and silver. And Charles, it's these are mad times. I mean, it's just really wacky. And anyone who's watching the stock market is probably asking themselves, what do I do? I don't, I don't know, you know, I'm not, I don't know how to ride this roller coaster with everyone. And so obviously you recommend investing in precious metals. What's the first step that someone should take in learning about what precious metals can do for them? You know, the, the first step, um, give us a call, right? We're, we're going to show you what options there are available. Um, that's what legacy is about is showing you options and, and educating everyone. The important thing to know is that we don't invest in gold and silver because it's pretty or because it's, it's unique. Those things are true, but we do it because it has the history of being the true diversity for someone's portfolio. It's the insurance policy against everyone's retirement and their uh, their savings. So, so this is why we look at at gold and silver specifically. It's the currency that was always meant to be, right? It's not a fiat currency. There's no um, inflationary effect on it. Gold and silver are going to be worth what they're worth. The thing that changes with everything is the amount of dollars it takes to buy that gold and silver and the amount of dollars you get for owning that gold and silver. That's the big key. And this is what people don't understand about it typically is that it is not the stock market and it is not the dollar. It's an investment that is counter to both of those. So it gives you true diversity and balance is what everyone's looking for right now. They just don't know it as inflation gets higher. This is where gold and silver come in. Someone is saying, okay, I want to do this, but I want to choose one or the other. When they call you and ask you these questions, when would you recommend gold and when would you recommend silver? You know, that's a great question. And what a lot of people wind up doing is actually doing a little of both because that's possible, right? But it's going to depend on your specific investment parameters. And that's one of the things we're going to do that we're, we're different from your typical stockbroker because we're not going to say, this is what all my customers are doing. Because that's not what's important. What's important is what matters to you and your portfolio. When is your retirement coming up? What are you looking to accomplish, right? What are your risks? What are, what are, your, what are your safety features that you need? So there's a lot that goes into it. And what we do here is, is talk with you, right? Our, our big thing is to educate you so that you understand why you're doing it as well as in what form and fashion. Because that's important. It is important. And I think, too, that people probably think uh, I'm a small investor. This is not for me. I can't I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do this at a level that will benefit me to them. You would say what? Um, I don't think you can afford not to. If you have money saved and you're not flush with cash, it's more important than ever for you to make sure that you put yourself in a protective situation. Right. You have less to lose. So you should not lose it. It's, it's really, you know, it's, it's not about how much money you have or don't have. It's about how much protection you need. And if you don't have a, a very large portfolio, then you probably need it more than the guy who does because you can't afford that loss. 
And look at what the market's done over the course of the year. We are talking about a situation where the loss is extravagant and it's not done yet. This is why we look at uh, precious metals to counter that. And lastly, Charles, for those who fear that a recession may already be here or is coming, what do you tell them about how in a recession this investment helps out? Great question. A couple answers there. We are in a recession, um, but the reality is it's not going to get bad for a few more months. Then it's really going to be bad. What we see happen next year is going to be devastating. Just think 2007, 2008, right? The troubles with 2008 happened in 2007. It just took time for it to hit the market in a real sense. And this is what we see. You know, we have inflationary numbers that rival the 80s. Um, That's something that's going to be dramatic. So when we look at this, we say, why do we want to do it? And that's exactly why. It helps because it's not the dollar and it's not the stock market, right? This is the safe haven investment. And if you look at long-term wisdom, that's what metals do. They give you a place to store your wealth without the effects of inflation, right? Inflation is good for your metals. The stock market correcting is good for your metals. A weak economy is better for your metals. So that's what it's meant to do. And that's why it has its place in the economy. We're talking about a worst case scenario right now, but even under the best of terms, the government tells you two to 3% inflation is a good thing. And at two or 3%, it doesn't sound bad, right? But over the course of your retirement and your lifetime investing, if you go 40 years, you've lost over 120% of value of your dollar by not having metals. So even in the best of times, there should be some in your portfolio. And during the worst, you really want to make sure you get a hold of somebody who can explain why and show you what options you have. Yeah, that's why we love to recommend Legacy Precious Metals on our show, Sideline Sanity. So the website is LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. You can also go to the website and find the phone number to call, learn a whole lot more it's just worth asking some questions, right? A quick phone call and getting more information about everyone's specific situation. Absolutely. We're a no-pressure organization. Everyone who contacts us, they reach out to us. We share information. If it's right for you, great. If it's not, that's great too. Learning something never hurt anybody. No, that is true. <laughs> and we're glad we had you on to learn something from you today, Charles Thorngren. Again, it's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Please go check them out. Just ask some questions. Learn a little something. Thank you so much, Charles. My pleasure. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.